You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy middle of the week, everyone. It is the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Part two of Blocked on Youth. Steve Bartle joins me. We're going to get into the actual season stuff, talk about the team, some of the things that we like. We're going to get in-depth on the quarterback competition, why Charlie Brewer might have the lead, but why Cameron Rising shouldn't be counted out. If that sounds clear as mud, you're going to want to tune in and listen up. We'll also talk about why the, the team may have some hurdles to overcome, what those might be in, in fairness and where we think the team is going to finish. There's a lot of great information in this episode, so go ahead and give it a listen. If you like it, rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts there. Otherwise, you can tweet your displeasure uh, at Locked on Utes, as always, uh, or at Brown Bear SLC, although uh, it seemed like yesterday's episode was very, very popular amongst the uh, the former Blockcast listeners. So appreciate everybody's commentary and everything like that. Without further ado, enjoy the second part of Blocked on Utes with the legend F. TB, Steve Bartle. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for July 21st, 2021. Today's episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network is brought to you by our live NBA draft show going on currently in preparation for the NBA draft. NBA draft GOAT, Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Build Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. You may see an appearance by your boy Brown Bear on that as well. Back at it here on the Locked On Utes podcast. We are blocked on Utes as my main <laughs> man, Steve Bartle, has joined with me. Uh, huge shout out to Jake, who's on vacation. Appreciate everything that he does, uh, allowing us to have some fun here on the Locked On Utes. Little, little reunion. Hold up. Shout out to Jay Cash, man. He posted his progress, like of his weight loss. Applause, man. Like, that's incredible. That's, you know, good on you, dude. You give me, guys like me and Brian, you give us hope that someday maybe we can lose five pounds, you know, over the course of six months, you know? <laughs> five pounds. That's, that's all we can afford. That's it. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not asking for too much. Five pounds. That's all I'm asking. Jake, we uh, we actually have a, sh- a show nickname for him. It's half half Jake, half Hatch, uh, because he's lost almost a half human. But shout out to Jake. He uh, he has been crushing it and taking some well deserved time off because I was hanging out at a friend's house and heard the all too familiar voice of Jake Hatch on a press conference with RSL, and I know for a fact that he'd done at least ten podcasts. <laughs> well, in addition to producing a radio show, which. That's a lot more work than people realize. <laughs> Especially if your talent is two idiots like Bartle and Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. That's not not good. There's a reason why they made me produce my own stuff from here on out. <laughs> but speaking of production, I want to get into what the production is going to look like 
for the Utes this fall. We've seen a lot of prognostications come out. Obviously, Phil Steele feels very highly about the offensive line. Uh, Utah fans may be cautiously uh, sniffing around that stock purchase. Hard to say. Um, uh, you know, fool me once seems to be the 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 the, the typical reaction whenever um, it's the conversation around the offensive line. But I want to ask you. Putting everybody else's stuff aside, what is the Steve Bartle prognostication for this season? What are your expectations for this for this team? Yeah, Brian, like that's that's the million dollar question, right? Like I think I think for the most part, I think the important thing here is that Utah is going to be a championship contending team. Like I I fully um, believe that this team will contend for a Pac-12 championship this year. Um, whether that comes you know, in a nine and three, 10 and two, 11 and one, 12 and zero, eight and four form. I don't know, but I, I think, I think for the most part that this team is going to be competitive week in and week out. And I think the difference this season more than anything else is the depth that they have throughout the roster. Um, if, if there's an injury, um, you know, at just about every position, Utah is in great shape with the depth that they have to withstand some some nicks, some bruises, some injuries. You know, if guys go down, um, they've got a lot of depth, which maybe they didn't have in 2019, the last time we, we did this, right? I, I think, you know, that's, for me, that's the, the biggest reason why I'm more optimistic and, and more, um, uh, I shouldn't say confident, uh, but just I, I'll just stick with optimistic. The reason I'm more optimistic and bullish on this team um, is because of the amount of depth that they have. There are questions and there are um, things that still need to be sorted out on the football field. Like the difference between 2019 and, and 2021, um, we don't know who the quarterback is officially yet. Whereas in 2019, you knew who your dudes were and Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss. Um, we don't know who the running back is going to be. And so those are things that, that need to be sorted out, have plenty of confidence in whoever the, the, the starters are going to be. Uh, but still they need to, uh, those questions need to be answered. So, uh, but overall, man, like I'm, I'm very bullish on this team. I've picked them to win the PAC 12, um, South division, um, and, and to win the PAC 12 championship this year. They just, they've got, they were super aggressive this offseason and in, in bringing in talent. Um, and it's, it's a big, big deal. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm right there with, with you guys. I think this team is a championship contending team. Um, and they're going to be competing for it with the best of the best in this conference. I agree, and and I think it's twofold. It's everything that you said in terms of what Utah's done with the roster building. We know that this team is laden with talent, both at the starting position and the amount of development that we saw from last year's squad, considering everything that they went through with the COVID yeah. stuff. Like I, that can't be discounted, man. It's it's no. such a huge aspect of what happened last year, and to see guys like Clark Phillips start to really grasp things. We already talked about Mika Tafua. What we've seen from Charlie Brewer in the spring, and and, and we can kind of break that down. I we talked a little bit about before this. Utah has not had a decision making quarterback like Charlie Brewer maybe since the Pac-12 era, and that's not knocking Tyler Huntley, but 
Tyler's game was never the quick read, pre-snap, knowing where to go with the football stuff. It was, I've got a lot of talent and a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence. I can make this happen, right? Absolutely. No, this is this is kind of the thing that um, I think has really, I don't want to say surprised Utah with Charlie Brewer coming into the program, but it's been one of the things where um, – it's it's been the dri- it's been the biggest driving force and why there's so much optimism regarding his potential this season is his ability to um, to learn to to process information in in action like it's it's something that you know you can't really you can't really fully appreciate as fans. Um, just because we don't know play calls, we don't know, you know, what is, what is being asked of him. Um, but for, for coaches, it's something that is, it's huge, right? You've got to be able to take a play call. You've got to be able to, to walk up to the line of scrimmage, identify what defense, what defensive look the, the opponent is giving you and, and make some judgments on where you could potentially go with this ball as, as the ball is snapped you're, you're in your drop, you're making reads and you're diagnosing what the defense is doing. And this is all in seconds, right? Like split you're seconds, that, split right? seconds. Cause you've also got this 300 pound dude trying to, trying to get to you up the middle and this 250 pound speed demon off the edge. Like really what angry. the hell? Yeah. You know? So, you know, you've got to make these decisions and identify what the defense is doing. And I think Brewer's ability to, um, to process that information um, is, 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 uh, is kind of his biggest, the biggest strength of his game. And I think the thing here is, um, you know, a lot of people will point to his, his last season, his performance last season, new offensive coordinator didn't really mesh well with the offense and the difference between what happened last year at Baylor for Charlie Brewer working with a new offensive coordinator and, and, and Andy Ludwig is like the marriage between Andy Ludwig and, and Charlie Brewer has been really, really good. They mesh really, really well in terms of how Ludwig teaches the game and how Charlie learns the game. It's like two peas in a pod is what one person told me. And so that's, that's a, a, a very important relationship for Utah football is that marriage between offensive coordinator and, and quarterback. And, you know, Utah's in, in good shape, I think, with, with Brewer, with Rising and, and, and Andy Ludwig. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely they're in good shape there. Yeah, if Utah ever signs a deal like the Michigan players did that, to sell their jerseys, Andy Ludwig will yeah, have man. a Charlie Brewer jersey first thing. He'll be the first one in line to buy. Oh yeah, he's he's getting that thing signed. Yeah, like he's hey. he's going from the Utah Red Zone store. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like Charlie, Big Charlie, Sharpie. Here's a Sharpie, Charlie. <laughs> also if you don't mind we, we need to have you go you know throw a couple touchdowns right now too there's no better place to put down your bets if you're looking to bet some money on whether or not cam rising becomes a quarterback or if charlie brewer does or if you want to bet on every single touchdown that either of them might or might not throw this season you need to go to betonline.ag it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season in full swing you can bet on mma 
and UFC action. The Olympics is going full throttle. The NBA draft is coming up. There are all sorts of prop bets associated with that. So before the next pitch or the next action, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website, use the mobile device to sign up today. It's super simple. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on, all one word at betonline.ag. Super simple, super easy. Go get your Skittles. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Here is the second half of our conversation about who might or might not start at quarterback. Previously talked about Charlie Brewer. Now you'll hear us discuss Cam Rising and talk a little bit more about what might possibly interrupt the Utes this season. And I don't think that's us discounting the ability of Cam Rising because not at all. This is you and I have been on the Rising wagon for a long time. Uh, I hesitate to call him Bad Moon, but the dude it just fits him because he is a bad a man. Bad man and man he can do some wild things he can make the earth turn with some of the talent and the ability that he has i think the yeah mm -hmm. he can make the world turn oh brian well the moon this is what i do is the metaphors we get the breakdown and the information from steve and then you get the dumb jokes and the uh metaphors from me but um he is he's incredibly talented and the arm the arm talent is there the 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 ability to create things with his feet uh i love the way he's built physically that sounds really weird to say it but it's the truth i love it too what he does need to do is he needs to be right there step for step in in trying to see what charlie brewer is seeing because if they can be like thing one and thing two in terms of that decision making that's where charlie or that's where cam rising can take that step forward and really win the job i think um whereas yeah charlie is just he's just so good with that decision making and i think the way this team is built again there's so much talent in the running back position there's so much talent in the defensive backfield uh albeit inexperienced there's so much talent in the defensive line and in the linebacking core this could be a very much like another team where it's like if we minimize turnovers and control the football the sky is the limit i think that gets back to why you and i both feel like they should Maybe not should be the favorite, but I do think that Utah ends up coming out of the South as well. I, I understand why you would pick USC to be the favorite, and I kind of feel like they should be the preseason favorite. If you're asking me which team is going to finish from this you know, demolition derby of a Southern division, it's going to be Utah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and Brian, to your point about Cameron Rising, what was – what was you know, if we go back last year, right, Jake Bentley's coming into the program, Cameron Rising has been in the program – now, what did we talk about as kind of his strength and why he would have a leg up in the competition between him and, and Jake Bentley? It was the time in the program. It was the understanding of the playbook. That understanding of the playbook suddenly didn't just go away. Yeah. Like, you know, he's still operating with that, you know, same understanding of the playbook. And it really should say a lot that Charlie Brewer is the guy that's getting the talk about the guy that's processing, you know, the information is that's like his strength. It, that should say a lot about Charlie because it's not something that, that Cameron rising doesn't do. He does like, that's, that's what separated. That's what really separated him between, you know, Bentley and, and, and himself last summer. So 
Um, but, but yeah, Brian, I, <laughs> this team, you know, it's, it's hard not to be optimistic, really, really optimistic about this team. Um, and I think the thing that we learned going back to 2019 is, you know, there can be a loss. There can potentially be two losses yeah. and you're still going to be in the mix, you know, come November. And so, you know, Utah has a, a difficult schedule uh, not too difficult though. You know, you do bring Oregon to, you know, you bring them home. You've got a bye week prior to the USC game. Um, you know, it's, there are some difficult aspects, but this, this schedule, you know, is still uh, pretty favorable. So, you know, it's, uh, it's Utah's in, in good shape, great roster with what they have. And, and they've got some potential really good answers at, at question marks on the roster. Look, anybody who knows either of us knows that we're really proficient at serving out the Kool-Aid and, and everything like that. So just to be, you know, fair and balanced with our expectations of the team, what are some of the things that you could see possibly maybe catching the Utes by the toe or maybe tripping this team up as they go throughout the season? I, I Obviously, there's going to be injuries, right? But we kind of mm-hmm. talked about how they've built this team with some depth. Uh, that I think can really withstand a lot of that. So what are some, maybe some other things that you might see being potential? I don't want to say weaknesses, but, but um, potential obstacles. Um, man, that is so you look at the schedule. I think I, I default to the schedule, right? And so potential hiccups, you know, you've got, I look at this, the schedule and I look at it and I'm like, Okay, the two most questionable games on this schedule are USC and Oregon. But you have Oregon at home. You, have, you do have to go to the Coliseum, but you have a bye week, so there's the advantage. Arizona State, you have them at home. It is coming off that, uh, that USC game, so where are they going to be emotionally following that big game? Um, you know, that will be really, really interesting to see. But, man... I'll tell you what, Brian, I've been really, really impressed with what Jonathan Smith has done with Oregon State. Um, it <laughs> hasn't necessarily shown up. In, I can in, clarify. I'm laughing because this guy, I'm pointing at myself, has been driving the, hey, Oregon State is better than <laughs> you think they are train on the dude. podcast. Because I agree. He's done a really dude. good job. And people, if you haven't watched that team or watched his offense, man, like – they're fun to watch, and, and yeah. I like Tristan Gebbia, and yeah. So I, I, I apologize for okay. for, uh, for trying to hit the brakes on your no, but your thought train. But they're good. They've gotten better, progressively better under Jonathan Smith, and it's one of those things where you know Utah fans, you remember the difficult transition it was coming to the Pac-12. In a lot of ways, it was it's that same kind of thing where you've got to gradually progress. You've got guys in the program that are getting better year in and year out that you're kind of building around. Jonathan Smith has started to get guys into the program, both from the high school level, from the transfer portal, and he's done, he's brought in some talent. And so, you know, Oregon State, you go to Corvallis, I think, man, I think that that more than the Arizona State game, because, you know, Utah is going to get up for that game, despite of whatever happens for that from that USC game. Like there's so much vitriol between Utah and Arizona state, like that they're going to get up for that game. It's at Oregon state where that's kind of the trap game for me. Um, just because, you know, we all remember 2019, you beat, you beat the snot out of them 52 to seven. 
Uh, but, you know, for all that went wrong in that game last year for Utah, Oregon State still caused a lot of trouble for Utah in that game as well, right? Like for as much as it was about Bentley just airmailing multiple touchdown passes in the first quarter, Oregon State still got pressure on him on a couple of those, right? Like it wasn't just that he just like just completely whiffed on it. Yeah, he, I mean, <laughs> he still probably should have completed that pass. But anyways, but still, it was Oregon State, you know. <laughs> Not that we're bitter or anything. <laughs> Not that we're bitter. Not but Brett Keithy should have had a couple of touchdowns in that game. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but uh, but so and then, you know, another game is for me is Stanford. And and I think David Shaw is just one of these guys where he, as soon as you count him out, he like he bounces back off the ropes and he's swinging. Right. And he's swinging. And Stanford is going to be a program that they're bringing in talent every year. Um, and we saw it last year, came out of nowhere and challenged for the North division. Yes, it was only five games. I understand that, but still they were playing good football. Um, and so, you know, David Shaw, that's going to be another tough out at, at Stanford. Luckily, Utah, when you look at those two teams, um, very similar in terms of how they operate, um, in terms of building their program on toughness and playing smart and playing fast. And Utah's just proven to be better at that than Stanford. But still, you know, they're they're going to be a tough out for sure at Palo Alto. So um, in terms of the schedule, it still sets up nicely. Uh, but there are, you know, I look at Oregon State, I look at Stanford as kind of the two two games where there could be a hiccup there. Don't let hunger be your hiccup. In the meantime, go to BuiltBar.com. Get yourself a box of the nine delicious flavor variety pack of Built Bars while you're there. Coconut, coconut almonds, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate salted caramel. My personal favorite, obviously, the cherry. I also love the mint brownie. Right now, working on a box of the special flavor, the grasshopper cookie. It is incredible. The best part about Bill Bar, if I have three, like maybe I did that yesterday. I'm not going to lie to you. Might have had a tough day. Had 17 grams of protein in each bar, uh, under 180 calories, less than five grams of sugar, less than five grams of net carbs. It's all tasty. It's delicious. It's good for you. It has that good whey protein. So when you're having a rough day, you're actually helping yourself instead of hurting yourself by reaching for something else that's just not going to taste as good or not have the same kind of healthy, delicious whey protein in it as well. So go to buildbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15. There's no better deal out there on the internet. When they have their special flavors, I highly recommend you go after a box of those too. I believe I saw lemon almond cheesecake on the website, but don't quote me on that one. For sure, if you see any of my favorites, go, go and get an order. In the meantime, get yourself a variety pack there and start living your life by getting built. Continuing the last of our conversation, talking about the scheduling and the other instances that might interrupt the University of Utah as they pursue a championship in the Pac-12 this season. Also, discussing the position groups that Steve and I feel like will be getting the most attention as we go into fall camp. Enjoy the last segment of this Blocked on Utes special. Yeah, and your your alternative to that would be playing Cal, and, and Cal is another one of those schools where it's like, I don't think that Utah's really struggled with them for a while now. They kind of have figured out the Justin Wilcox era. 
I think that you made a good point with David Shaw. He and Kyle Whittingham, I, I would be curious to find out like how good of friends they are because they are so similar in a lot of respects. Yeah. But Shaw fights back so hard with his back against the wall, and, and we've just barely started to hear whispers about maybe people in Palo Alto are dissatisfied with him. I believe that if you're saying that, you are knucking futz because – what he's done with that program is incredible, and I think people have just forgotten how bad they were before the Harbaugh slash Shaw era. Uh, the schedule is favorable. I think that November date with Oregon coming to your house, that's a big deal. Um, you know, I think as we're looking about this, it's, it's injuries. It's how do you handle the schedule. I think a big part about this team is is who establishes themselves as, as leaders and how devout is your leadership to really doing everything because the last few years you've had guys come back because they want to win, win the big one. And, and you look at this team and it's like, okay, you've got a Devin Lloyd who absolutely 100%. Now he doesn't have to worry about coaching everybody up. He can just be a yeah. leader and, and set the tone, right? Um Offensive side of the football, like people know how big a fan we are of Nick Ford, obviously Charlie Brewer, big part of that too. Uh, tell me just your thoughts on the leadership side of things and then maybe the inexperience. How big of a factor do you think that'll play in, into the season? I think the experience on this team is so, so valuable, right? Like you mentioned Devin Lloyd, the fact that he's he doesn't have to worry about, you know, coaching guys on where to be and, and getting everybody in place now that they've had a full off season of work and, you know, everybody's kind of familiar with what they need to do now. Yeah. He can, he can kind of just be a guy and just play. And it's, that's an exciting aspect of his potential this season. Um, But another thing is like Nephi Sewell, no, you could, you could arguably say that he's a more impactful, more instinctual in terms of being a playmaker then, then maybe Devin Lloyd, maybe you could make that argument. I'm not saying like, obviously Devin Lloyd is incredibly productive. He's arguably been the most productive player on either side of the ball for Utah over the last couple of years. But in terms of just like playmaking instinct in both facets of the game, like man, Nephi Sewell, but, but the only thing here is like Nephi can only be Nephi because he has Devin, Lew Devin Lloyd beside him. Right. And so, um, an interesting dynamic there between those two. And I think, you know, their ability to kind of lead this defense, they're going to be the leaders of this defense. Um, it's, it's going to be significant. And the versatility of, of Sewell is going to be huge because he can do some different things, um, you know, as kind of that safety linebacker hybrid, uh, which is a lot of fun. And then you've got guys coming in, some young talent in the program, especially at that linebacker position. You know, the Calvert brothers, uh, Mason Tufunga, if you want to get him on the field, Trey Reynolds. Uh, you've got guys like Hayden Fury, who's a former walk-on term scholarship kid just because the dude is athletic and just a monster. And, and then, you grinder. you know, and a grinder, which, you know, above all else, that's going to get you, you know, where you need to be in that Utah program. So, you know, you've got some dudes there. Um, the, 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 the position group that I'm most interested in, in terms of leaders stepping up is the secondary, um, you know, Vontae Davis emerging last, last year was big for him, for the secondary, that free safety position is key to Utah and, and their defensive scheme. But, you know, Clark Phillips has been a leader off the field for Utah and he's been kind of the, the guy 
lead by example type of a thing. He took his lumps early on last season against USC and against Washington, but he just continued to stick with it and fight through some, some, some hiccups. Right. And he finished the season incredibly strong. Um, it's JT. Real, it's real easy to forget the early lumps when you're finishing it with touchdowns, taking interceptions all the way back for touchdowns. Right. Like, like that's, that's one of yeah. those happy memories. Like that's it. Yeah. That's the kind of growth rate that we want to see this, this exponential, like, Oh, stock yeah. price is going way up. Here we go. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to see that man. And, and you know, it's, it was great for him to finish the season that way because he did stick with it. Right. Like he didn't get lost in trying to do things his way. Like he stuck with what he was being coached to do and it paid off. And you love to see guys like that get rewarded. Um, you know, and, and the other two guys that we don't talk about enough because Clark Phillips, uh, demands, you know, a lot of the talk Malone, Mattaele, JT Broughton. These are guys that both, you know, proved Malone had just a bunch of different things keep him off the field last summer or last season, which sucked. Uh, I think we saw more of his potential in the spring game. He had the interception. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm excited for those two uh, to potentially kind of take a step forward as players, as leaders. Um, offensively, you know, having Nick Ford back, specifically at that center position is huge. Um, Something that I think he was very adamant about as well. Yeah. That he wanted to come back. He wanted to be in the middle there. I think he takes a lot of the leadership aspect, both, you know, mentally, but also physically in on the offensive line when he plays yeah. the center position. And I think that was, that was a big part about him coming back was, was being that guy that wanted to be there in the middle. Yeah. You know, the center position is fascinating because um, in a lot of ways, it's the point guard position of the offensive line where, you know, if you've got a guy that doesn't understand what he's what he's tasked with in terms of identifying the defense, calling out, you know, the proper protections um, and and assisting guys in combo blocks in a lot of ways, like the center position is the point guard um, spot of the offensive line because if you've got a really good one he elevates the play of everybody around him and I think we saw that yes there were mistakes in in pass protection um, but there were <laughs> you know there were some really some damn good moments in in run blocking where he was able to combo with Keaton and with Braden uh, and, and Satoa and they were just riding dudes 10 yards down the field and with him entrenched at the center position, it provides him um, just, it, it kind of calms things down for him where he knows where he's going to be. He can focus on that position. He can learn the nuances of the position. It's great that he's been so versatile and, and been featured at different spots on the offensive line, but him settling in at center is going to be huge because he can now focus on ensuring that he's, he's, fully prepared this season to, you know, do the, the little things, the nuanced things of the center position. Like I mentioned, you know, calling out protections, identifying defenses, understanding who to block, who the other guy next to you is blocking and so on and so on. And so having Nick back is huge in terms of the leadership on the offensive side of the ball. And specifically with that offensive line, he's, he's the type of kid that you want leading 
a group um, and specifically that offensive line group because of the identity that this Utah football team wants to be on offense. You want to be a tough physical team, but you want to be, you want to be nimble. You want to be good in pass pro too. And, you know, Nick's a, a very confident kid and, and rightfully so he's got all the potential in the world, man. And he makes some, some wicked good Mac and cheese from what I've heard. That, that will, uh, yes. And, and I, I, at some point in time, there will be a challenge. I think he and I have already decided that there, uh, there needs to be some type of a throwdown. I can never compete with his ability on the football field, but I feel like I might have at least a respectable challenger when it comes to the Mac and cheese in the kitchen. Um, one thing I just, I always try to point out with Nick, and I think you made a good point of this moving to the center position. I think it's going to cure some of his boredom and, and you might look at me crazy for saying that, but at the tackle position, you're basically big on big every single play or ceiling backside. And it's a very simple, uh, position. Now there's a lot of technicality to it and there's a lot of athleticism that comes with it. Uh, but we saw him play against Washington at the tackle position too. Was it 2018 on like two days notice? And he was great. One day, one, one day, day notice. Yeah. He heard, he was told Saturday morning uh, that he had to play right tackle against Washington one day. So when you think about it, that respect, like moving him to the inside makes a ton of sense because he has to think about so much more like you were saying. It's not just his own responsibility. He's thinking about the entire thing. And for especially for players who are incredibly smart uh, like he is, and, and this is a kid that's majored in mechanical engineering, which football players never, ever do because it's such a difficult degree to get. Um, that's going to really help, I think, keep his mind, I want to say, occupied and engaged. And, and he just looked so much more comfortable last year. And the athleticism that he brings to the position, I think, in addition yeah. to the leadership, just really, really helps him up front. Like, he's going to be a huge asset. We saw what he did with Satawa, who's an honorable mention, all Pac-12 guy, right out of the shoots. And he's just going to get better. And also with, with Braden and Keaton, it's going to help them a lot to have Nick there as they're trying to still develop the the sort and, and the sift from all the misdirection and all the stunting that goes on that Utah's just really struggled with. We saw it, you know, really improve once Nick moved the inside. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the wide receiver position because I know everybody's super invested in the offensive line, but I think the wide re receiver position might be getting a little bit of uh, not a pass, but overlooked. Um, what, like, what do you see happening with that position this year? We know that Britton Covey's there. Is there anybody else that you think maybe will stand out and really pop this season? And, and who do you think it might be? Yeah, Brian, that's, it's, it's a position where, you know, there's, you've got guys that you know a lot about, and then you've got guys that also need to answer some questions. So, uh, Utah did a good job of addressing the position following, you know, the departures of Thompson and Nakua. You bring in uh, Theo Howard, you bring in Maneer McLean, uh, you bring in another guy in Bryson Reeves, uh, who's, uh, you know, another athletic, a, a taller, longer athletic kid, uh, just a high school kid. But uh, you add those three to the mix um, and suddenly the group looks a little bit different than it did last year. And uh, so, you know, what do we know about this group? Well, we know that Britton Covey is, is good at football and he's going to be a guy that is going to demand some looks, quite a few looks. Uh, but the thing is, is like, I think what we've learned from, from Britton Covey is like when he's the only focus of the offense, it's, it's, uh, 
it can wear on him, I think, a little bit. And so what if, if Utah, if, if they can get another guy or two um, involved early on in the season, um, where you get them a lot of looks, you get them a lot of catches, that's going to help Britton Covey down the final stretch of the season and make him more effective because now defenses can't lock in on Britton Covey um, as just the only option in the passing game, right? Now you've got to respect a guy, maybe it's Solomon Enos, maybe it's it's Theo Howard, maybe it's Maneer McLean, maybe it's Devon Vele. Um, so uh, th- I think that is going to be the big key for Utah, uh, for this wide receiver group, is seeing a guy or two emerge next to Britton Covey. Um, like in the passing game, Brent, Brent Keithy is going to be the top target. <laughs> like, yeah, he he's he's the dude. Duh. <laughs> the, yeah, like he's the yeah. dude. You've got a dude here who has just been absolutely lights out. And had they been able to get him the football, like you know, accurately last year, yeah, he probably wouldn't even be playing for the Utes. But yeah, we should definitely use him. Yeah, yeah, we probably we have should. A Hulk. Let's use it. <laughs> and so you know, you've got Keithy. Um, you've got Covey, you know what those guys are. Um, what does Theo Howard, what does he bring to the table? Is he, you know, is he just an outside only guy or is he more of an inside only guy? Uh, is he, is Solomon, is, is he ready to, uh, to, to, to capitalize on the work that he's put in through his first three years in the program? Um, I think that he's, he may be primed for, um, a, a good year this year with a quarterback that will look his way uh, when he's open. Um, I think that that could benefit Solomon Enos, but you know, Devon Valey had a good spring camp. Um, one, which we've, we've heard his name before. It's just unfortunate injuries have kind of gotten in the way with him. Um, but Devon Valey is a kid that, you know, he can do some, some, some good things on the field. I'm not sure that he's the all around type of talent, but I think he's really good getting vertical and being a vertical threat. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of the, what we're looking at here. And then again, what is Jalen Dixon bringing back to the program? You know, having him back is great. Where at, where is he at? Like he didn't play football for a year. Just, I think though that's something that we need to learn about Jalen. I'm confident that we're going to learn about him um, and, and see where he's at pretty early on this season. Uh, but I, I, I'm just, uh, there's, there's some good options here. They just have to go out and prove it. Maneer McLean is, is argue is, is for me kind of the biggest, I don't, I don't want to say question mark, but where the it's most enigma. intrigue. Yeah. The biggest enigma, the enigma. that's our, you rumor. know, <laughs> the biggest enigma with this group, because, you know, he, he was part of a really talented wide receiver hall for USC and USC is known for getting pretty good receivers. Um, you know, and in his first first month, first fall camp with the Trojans, like he was the guy that was getting the buzz. And I think Drake London was in that group. I think, um, you know, Brew McCoy was in that group, but it was it was Maneer McLean that was getting the love. Injuries just got in the way with, for him as well. And so where is he at with his game? He's a great, great body, great athleticism, great, you know, body combo at 6'4", 210 pounds. Um, and so I'm, I'm really fascinated to see what he brings to the field. Um, and so I think you're looking at right now, I think it's smart to look at Britton Covey, uh, Solomon Enos, Jalen Dixon, Theo Howard, 
as guys that we know what they are, right? Like we know what we can get from those guys. I think Solomon Enos, there's a, a much higher level that he can still unlock. And I think that's super exciting for him. And then guys that I think will, will learn, uh, will learn a good uh, amount about early on in the season, Devon Bailey and, and Manir McLean. And then, you know, potentially we see maybe some of these freshmen um, get some, get some reps early on in the season. Uh, maybe it's, Connor O'Toole, who suffered an injury last year, but he did some really good things in camp. Maybe it's Bryson Reeves as a true freshman or Makai Coe as a true freshman. You know, so I think, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting group. Uh, there's reasons to be confident. There's reasons to have concerns, and they're all valid. I mean, we've gone 10 minutes talking about wide receivers. Dude, I'm sorry. I haven't been shaking the money tree yet. <laughs> My man, Money Parks, who I still have just super high expectations. Yeah, We're love just money for it to click in upstairs with him. And yeah, and, uh, you know, I have look like I am fired up. We've been laughing and giggling. It's a good thing we're not releasing the the uh, the the video recording of this because I've been making hand signals and throwing. I've been doing the, the hands. So we've been we're like playing patty cake basically. <laughs> But this conversation's got me so excited because, and I'm hopeful that we get to see at least little snippets of practice or, or at the very least get to talk to these guys in person because there is so much that's happened and so many new guys. Like, we've seen Devon Vele up close, so we understand, yeah. you know, like, like the tools are there. It's like, how are you putting them in your belt and are you wearing your belt when you go into work every day? You know what I mean? It's those kind of little things that he's got to put together to be a really good reliable wide receiver with solo. I think the big thing about him is just like he's, he's kind of having his Keyshawn moment where it's like, give me the damn ball. And I kinda, yeah. on one hand, I, I understand where fans can sit and be like, Hey, like, like either buy in, be all in or in the way. But on the other hand, like this is a dude that it's like, if you start to feed him the rock, he's going to blow up, right? There's only so much that you can do out there at the wide receiver position, uh, you know, to really, cause things to happen for you if the quarterback's not going to throw the ball your way and so um all this talk i think like i'm super fired up for the season and i like i've been kind of dragging maybe some of it is just that it's you and i talking ball again um we're gonna wrap this it's so up. nice oh dude I love it's it. so I nice it. um it, i get butterflies not, this is not the end of the surprises for this week we got <gasps> one more up the sleeve oh that's a tease <laughs> That's, That's what we call a coming. tease in the industry. <laughs> so we'll have one more surprise this week. I have no idea what that conversation is going to take. Oh, um, man, me neither. But uh, I want to thank Steve real quick. Just thank you for coming on board. I appreciate it. Yes, I, sir. You've been busy already today. Interviews, writing articles, just the, the classic Steve Bartle way of no sleep, all, all gas, no breaks. We'll put it that way. All gas, no breaks. That's what it's about, Brian. That's what we do. We grind. We <laughs> hustle. That's <laughs> Cue the Rick Ross as we end this thing out. Uh, we're we're going to wrap up this, this episode of the Locked on Utes. We hope you enjoy it. As always, you can follow us on your favorite uh, podcast platform. We always recommend you go to the Odyssey platform. That's that's where our format works the best. Also available on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. I promise we are reading and uh, reading whatever your ratings are. Even the negative ones, The those people who get mad at us, um, like, I love you. 
we love you. It's fine. You can you can be you're mad at your dad, not at us. But um, thank you everyone for tuning in. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for July twentieth. One of those days. Who knows? This has been the Locked On Utes podcast. This has been the Blocked On Utes podcast. The Blocked On. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.